Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, life purpose coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Mason Phillips, a licensed marriage and family therapist who's on a mission to help individuals and couples live in diverse relationships wholeheartedly. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. My guest today is Mason Phillips, who is just a plain Oklahoma boy. He was born and raised right here, watching the Pokes play on Saturdays, fishing in the cool early weekend mornings, church every Sunday morning, and catching as many baseball games as he can. There was a time when he thought he would be a big music star, but somewhere along the way, he took one psychology class and he was in love. No one would ever be impressed by his ACT score or GPA, but one thing is for sure, Mason makes even 30 minutes of conversation worth a man's while. In 2015, he officially made it his full-time job to have worthwhile conversations with people by becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist. He would spend the next years discovering how to help people break habits, became certified as a hypnotherapist, and eventually a state supervisor for new therapists. Since then, Mason has learned that people really do change and grow inside the context of their relationships, whether it be in your relationship with your spouse, your child, your parent, your God, or yourself. Mason wants you to be able to live in diverse relationships wholeheartedly. Mason works with individuals and couples to help them discover what they truly value in life and become clearer on what purpose God has for them here. Mason does this privately in his therapy sessions, but he's also done this in group settings, at conferences full of people looking for stronger intimacy in their marriages, in classrooms, churches, and in organizations trying to fortify their leadership. And he can do it for you, too. Today, Mason still lives in the heart of Oklahoma with his beloved wife, three incredible and hilarious kids, and his loyal dog, Clark. He still goes fishing, roots for the Cowboys every college football season, makes it to church every Sunday, and tries to catch as many baseball games as he can. Mason, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's really good to have you here. Yeah. So uh, we've known each other for a few years mm-hmm. now through, yeah. through uh, another facility mm-hmm. where we both worked and and got to know each other a little bit then. Yeah. And since, since, since then, through some social media yeah. and friends of friends and all that. Yeah, so, we've been watching each other. Yeah. yeah, we've been watching and following along with each other's stuff. So i um, really excited to have you on the show today. I'm really, I'm really grateful. Thanks for having me, Charles. Absolutely. So as you may know, Mason, we start each episode with a kickoff question. And you've chosen yours. Yeah. And so I'll send that your way and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, awesome. All right, Mason, when did you know that you wanted to be doing what you're doing today? Okay, so <clears throat> I chose this question because I know the answer to it. Yeah. Um, in college. So I did start college as a music major. I had done music for a long time prior to that. And um, mostly like church music. I was in a heavy metal band for a little, little bit. Oh, nice. And not a, not a good one, but, uh, yeah. but one. And... Um, I got into college and I was studying music. I was a composition major. And um, I had actually 
slightly changed majors from piano performance to composition, music composition. And when I did that, I had to take on a minor. And so um, somebody suggested psychology. Um, or I, I don't remember who and I don't remember why, but it, it must have been divine. I chose psychology. There were two tracks, psychology and psychology pre-counseling, and I chose the latter. And uh, so I had to take an intro to psychology class just to kind of kick off the minor. So I took that over the summer. Um, at a different college, I did like an online class with OSHIO Casey or something like that and uh, failed it because I'm not good at online school, but I did like it. And, I, and so I had to retake a gen psych course the next semester at OBU. So I wasted just a tiny bit of money, but I really liked the class, participated in my minor. That was probably the end of my um, sophomore year. Mm. And between my sophomore year and junior year, I worked at a museum as a docent. So I stood in this exhibit and it was empty probably 75 to 80% of the time. And so I read a lot and I read this book. It's called The Idea of a Christian College. We used to have to read it at OBU. And I don't know if they require it anymore, but I read this book and it set me on a path of thinking. It was, um, it's all about like what it means to get a liberal arts education and all that. And, and so um, there was something about it that really piqued my interest and made me start thinking a little more about what I wanted to do and really what my purpose was. And I had an existential crisis um, and talked to a, a lot of really trusted friends, um, one who was in the psychology program at the time. And she was like, just do it. Let's, you just make the, make the choice. So I called the chair of the psychology department. His name is Dr. Roark, Brett Roark, and he's a genius. And I said, I'm thinking about doing this. This is the summer before my junior year, and I'm deciding to change my major. Am I, is this crazy? Is this a crazy thing to do? And he said, absolutely is. It absolutely is. <laughs> Let's do it. And, and he, That's good. And I sat on my computer and I watched him drop all of my music classes, which was something stupid, like 16 to 18 courses, a lot of them for zero credit, like seminars and recital classes, all it's that kind of stuff. It's intense with music, isn't it? It was really, really hard. And yeah. that's, so I didn't leave it because it was hard. I was doing it and I was doing well. Um, but it was hard. It was very intense. I mean, when you're a music student, you're there sun up to sundown in the practice room. So in, in the like recital halls and stuff. So he dropped all those courses. They vanished off of my, uh, my portal on the computer. And, um, then he enrolled me in like six classes for psychology for the following semester. And I had already done all my gen ed, so I was done with all that. So I got to just focus on my major 100%, which at that point was um, was psychology pre-counseling because I had successfully completed a music minor. <laughs> so I didn't have to do that anymore. Oh, gotcha. yeah. So just by focusing on that as a major. So maybe that's a suggestion to college students out right. there. Choose a major, focus on it for two years, and then switch your major and you'll already have your minor. Um, but then I was a psychology pre-counseling student and I got to just drink it up. Yeah. That's fantastic. So we're just coming to know each other yeah. this way. I didn't know that part of your story yeah. at all, of course. Yeah. And so that's fascinating. And yes, many of our listeners are 
they're either in, <clears throat> they're involved in higher education yeah, yeah. as administration or professors or staff. I have a lot of those listeners out there mm-hmm. uh, across Oklahoma, and then there's some listen elsewhere around around the planet. And and then there's uh, several folks that uh, you know part of my um, the folks I work with are in higher education. Right, right. They're mm-hmm. you know actually students. So great tips there. Yeah. And you have a super clear memory and great way of telling it. You know, you can remember yeah. some of the, capture some of those key moments. Yeah, I will so never helpful. forget that. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget. Okay, so follow up question here. Okay. I mean, we have a lot of things that, to talk about that yeah. are really exciting. But, I've got plenty of time. Um, so I graduated from Oklahoma State University. Go. So Cowboys. yeah, I attended yes. OU, attended UCO. It is a good year. It's a good year for the cow. Let's <laughs> go, Cowboys. It's a good right? year to be a Cowboy. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So no offense to our other listeners right now, but you know we're going to live this moment just for a minute right now. I mean, I don't stand by that, but yeah. Okay. okay there, <laughs> there's one of us there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, absolutely excited yeah. for the Cowboys and, and really excited for, at the time of this podcast, our, our last win over Texas was huge. And yeah. That was, that was a great game. Yeah. If this comes out, Far later and things go south, just just assume that we didn't know it was going to go that way. That's right. Well, <laughs> it's going to come out on Wednesday. As cowboys, we know we know not to count your eggs before they hatch. No, that's right. It was like two. Oh, uh, it was it was against. I think did we play Texas Tech not too long ago? Yeah. And um, I was texting with some of my Sooner friends, and because they had just lost miserably. Um, and we played Texas Tech, and we were losing, and uh, he sent me this message, and he was like, something ridiculous about how I was being a clown, and I was like, man, game's not over. You're not a cowboy. Oh, you you don't know. claim it. You got to claim it. <laughs> I was like, game's not over, brother, yeah. and they pulled ahead and won that game, and I, was, and I just texted him. I was like, listen... A little advice from a cowboy, wait till the game's over. Wait till it's wait till over. it's over. That's right. So there's a takeaway from this podcast right now already. Wait till the game's over. Wait till the game's over. The yeah. game's not over, everybody. Yeah, that's right. Stay in the game. Yeah. So that's so good. That's so good, man. Okay. And then also music, right? So I and, and right. uh so I'm I'm a musician also, not okay. classically trained, not formally trained in in many ways. I've taken some classes and lessons and stuff. So I played violin growing up, did some keyboard or piano, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then really got into guitar and been yeah. playing guitar for, I don't know, 25 years or something like that. And, and singing, I sing also, so Good, lead yeah. or, or, or um, harmony or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. play by ear, so that helps with guitarists. Yeah. You know, yeah. we can be kind of annoying as guitarists. So is that like on the spectrum of like, um, uh, I actually don't know any, well, I mean like, like Jeff Beck to like Wonderwall. <laughs> Wonder I play I played a lot of Wonderwall. Did okay. that for a youth group not too long ago. Okay, they cool. loved it. They yeah. never heard of it. You know what never I mean? Heard so, yeah, okay. Oasis. Uh, yeah, so played a lot too. of Oasis. Yeah. So nineties. Nineties yeah. rock, nineties grunge. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um and then I don't solo a lot, so a lot mm-hmm. of rhythm. Yeah. Because yeah. I played to sing. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd find other people that could solo or yeah, riff. the guitar is just a Vehicle. It's just voice. a vehicle for yeah. me. It's yeah. about having the conversation. Yeah, really, that's you know? it. Yeah. That's, I'm that's a conversationalist. All music is a conversation. Method. Okay, man. Well, so 
I want to get into what seems most interesting to you. I love your journey yeah. uh, that you just shared, and I know there's more to it. So you graduated, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. then it doesn't have to be a linear conversation, but if you'd like to pick up for you know, when you started into your program there in college and, and uh, at, at whatever point in time. Yeah, I thought I was going to go to OSU when I graduated because there was no grad program where I was. I was at OBU yeah. in Shawnee, and, um, and so I had seen this, there was a program at OSU that I was interested in for psychology. It was probably clinical psychology, something like that. It's like a, it's like a four year pro. I don't know if they have it anymore, but it was like a four year program and you get your master's and doctorate all at once. And so I was like, well, that's probably what I'm going to do. So, um, I went to my advisor at the time cause I was coming up, um, my, into my senior year and I was like, I'm making plans. I'm looking at OSU. And he said, okay, you would, you would do great. That sounds great. Before you do, you need to know that we're starting a program and you could be in the charter class for marriage and family therapy. And I had no idea what that was. I didn't know what marriage and family therapy was. I just knew I wanted to do, I wanted to do therapy with people. That was my plan. And so he said, maybe, maybe thinking about participating in the program. So I was, uh, I was dating my wife at the time. So she wasn't my wife yet. Um, and he had some promotional materials put in my hand. I went to my wife's apartment apartment at the time on, on MacArthur street in Shawnee and said, listen, um, we've been together a long time. You're probably going to be a part of this journey. What do you think about doing this? Cause it's going to keep us in Shawnee if, if I do. And she said, hundred percent, let's do it to your program. Let's just rip through it. And she proceeded to, she supported me through, through grad school. I, I was working in child welfare. Um, after I graduated college, I worked in child welfare as an investigator. And, um, after I, I got really intense with the grad program and quit my job, went and slung coffee at Starbucks and finished up grad school. And she supported me, was a She's a school teacher. Still is a school teacher. So. I don't know that I knew that, man. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is too. My yeah, wife's yeah. a teacher. Yeah, she's been in education for I I think like I guess like 10 years now. Wow. So do you mind if I ask like uh what does she teach and where if you if you Yeah, she always grade school. It's always been elementary school kids. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she's been in she was in public school for the majority of that time. Um and then we moved over into Edmond. Um and she got an opportunity. There was a really small charter school starting up. A little Christian school called the Beacon School in Edmond, and uh, somebody—I don't—I forget who told her. Somebody at our church told her about it, and it was—it was in its like second year. It was about to be in its second year, and so she got an interview and became a teacher. It's a very cool, like, individually approached, blended program of education. They're totally rethinking how children are taught. Um, and so it's been really good for our kids too. So she's been doing that. I think she's on her second or third year teaching there now. And it's huge. It's gotten really, really big. That sounds amazing. So now I, I've heard of it, but I, I don't know much about it. Yeah. So I'll drop that in the, in the show notes yeah. as a link. So Go check and, out and, the Beacon and your information too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll do that for sure. So if you're listening in, drop into those show notes and go check it out. Yeah, and all of Mason's stuff too, which yeah. we'll get into. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, well, good. So yeah, so you did that. Yeah. So I told her, right, let's let's do this, and so she we we did, and I mean, we ripped through the program. I had some setbacks, like I had to do, I had to take a little bit longer, but I still graduated on time um, because I. So if if people don't know how therapy programs work, you get your 
clinical hours. Well, you get your intern hours, your practicum hours, because um, you're an intern, unpaid, right? That was why I had to go serve coffee because I had no time for a full time job as an investigator, and um, and also getting an internship under my belt. So I would go open at Starbucks at four thirty in the morning and work there until about noon. And somewhere in there, we had our first kid, and I would go home, be a stay-at-home dad for the middle afternoon time. And a lot of people like therapy in the evenings. You know, as you may know, there's a lot of people who need therapy from like four until eight o'clock. And my internship site was a private practice with a guy named Larry Roberts in Shawnee, and he became like a really important mentor for me. And um, and I so I didn't I didn't really know what locations were like. So a lot of my friends in grad school got internship sites at like agencies and hospitals and they were just raking hours in like crazy and finishing up their internship and I I was pulling in maybe like a four or five measly hours a week like on my own and shadowing Larry um, in this private practice and I got really resentful because I was like this is taking forever and I'm working really hard how do I why is this not Where's the return on investment here? Right. And um, looking back, I am so grateful that I got to be in a private practice where things are a little slower and you have time to talk Mm. and -hmm. and be with people. And also Larry Larry is like a therapy god. He's just incredible. So I got to sit under somebody that I really, really respect and is kind of magic in, in in the clinical therapy room. Yeah, that's so, powerful. That's yeah. really powerful. And and so uh, I don't know if, if you had said this directly or, or if you have an answer that's mm-hmm. necessarily just one answer, but is there one thing that really called you or spoke to you about uh, becoming a therapist? You know, I mean, we've all got stories that, yeah. I mean, I had... Um, so I, my, I was a, my daddy was a preacher. So okay. um, I was a preacher's kid. So I mean, yeah. anybody who out there who's a preacher kid and heard me say that just now knows that I am very screwed up. I have a lot of problems because of that, right? So I kind of grew up in this fishbowl and I rebelled against that hard. I made some terrible choices um, and looked the part for it and, um, you know, had a lot of problems, but I mm-hmm. I also really benefited from my relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really yeah. my relationships with people. And I do have a good family. My parents are good people. And yeah. um, I don't know that I would have been as resilient from a lot of my problems if I didn't have good relationships in my life. So, um, you know, I think I want people to also have – I'm kind of an a stubborn optimist for people's relationships – you know, so um, when people don't really want to have hope for their relationships, I will. I'll have hope for that relationship. In the meantime, I'll stand in the gap until you have hope for your relationship, um, because it's your relationship that's really gonna make your world better. So, so that I don't know. It's hard to say really what called me into it. I, you know, the short answer is God. I think God yeah. really had a plan to to get me into this world. Yeah. You know, what so. role does your you know? Um, what role would you say that faith plays for you in, in huge, in, huge, yeah, and just yeah. in your life and then in your role? Maybe huge. we can go there for a minute. Or Such two. a big deal, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I I think I really owned my faith in in college. You know, I think a lot of kids do that. Um, I kind of went through a little bit of a deconstruction process. Took like a 
New Testament class. and That'll do it. Oh, it totally blew my mind. And I had a really cool professor, and I was like, oh, I, I don't know if I believe this. Tore it all down and then rebuilt it back all back up. And when you tear it all down like that, hopefully when you've deconstructed safely and correctly, um, really all you're left with is the, the purity of who God is. And so that's kind of where I landed. And I ended up in this church. Um, this is kind of like a really important part of this, my story, actually. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I got really, really invested in this church. Um, and I will protect their name, but um, yeah, sure. if, just for, for their sake. But uh, we got really, really involved. Um, while we were dating, we were going to that church, and we kind of met, started going to, to that church. Um, we were in a, like a little community together. And we, she became the children's director for that church, totally unpaid position. And eventually, you know, I was playing music for the church and I was working on my degree and trying to become a therapist. And so while I was kind of in the worship music scene on in that crowd, I was also becoming a therapist. And so I was kind of becoming a little aspirational about the role that therapists play in the church. And that is a really, that can be a really stubborn conversation. Yes, it that can is the be. One, honestly, it's one of the most stubborn conversations yep. and the most annoying conversations to have inside the church because, you know, I mean, there's just, especially in the Baptist church, which is where I grew up, and there's just a lot of legalistic fundamentalism that goes on that points to, you know, if you're having any anxiety or depression, that has nothing to do with, it has everything to do with your sinful nature. Obviously, there's just darkness inside of you. And so you need, all you need is God. You just need God. And I started to be like, I felt a little bit like a heretic because I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we do just need God. I don't know if God wants us to just need him. I think he wants us to, I don't know. He, If the Bible's correct, he created Adam and then he said, this isn't good. He's all alone. And he so he needs some he needs somebody else. He needs to have connection. And so he when he designed humans, he designed connection and and said, You don't just need me, you also need the connection with your people. So to say that all we need is God, I think is actually fundamentally unbiblical. But there's a lot of fundamentalists out there that are like, you know, and they also just see counselors as like woo-woo, pop psychology, kind of think your way into a better life, very self-helpy. And that's the phrase that I heard a lot. Mm -hmm. So while I was in this church, I got this idea. You know, I'm in grad school, and I was like, how am I going to do therapy as a Christian person? You know, how do I be myself as a therapist and be myself as a Christian? And that got really, really hard to to figure out. And I got I got this idea because I was just really invested in my church. And, and listen, me and my wife got married there. All of our friends got married there in the same year. We got married by the same guy and, um, who we still love. He's still a great guy. Um, the majority of us are not a part of that church anymore. So we're getting there, but, um, we were really devoted to this church and I got this idea and I took it to the leadership and I said, I think that there's a place for therapists and counselors in the church. And here's 
the way I think it looks. I think it's here's here's the church, and maybe it's right next door, maybe it's across town, but just theoretically, there imagine a hallway in between, and and you've got this church here, and it's its own thing, and you've got this organization next to it, and it's its own. 501c3 nonprofit type of thing pub- available to the community and it offers professional help for people in the community so that anybody who's walking up and down the street, whether it's the completely unchurched, the churched, the dechurched, can walk in there and ask for help. And they can talk to somebody who's licensed, who's um, covered by liability insurance and can help them with their mental health problems, with their broken relationships, and also say, hey, by the way, there's a really strong community of Christian believers right next door. They do love you. Can I introduce you to them and walk them across the hallway? But also, every time somebody walks into the church and they go to the minister, go to the pastor, and they say, I'm having a lot of anxiety and depression or my relationship is messed up, Instead of the pastor saying, okay, I'm going to counsel you, which is what happens typically, that pastor can say, listen, I want to minister to you. That's my job. And I'm going to minister to you by walking you down this hallway to meet Mason. He's a licensed therapist. He can help you with all that. And in the meantime, be a part of this faith community. And that was my dream. I probably drew it a hundred different times in three or four different journals on dinner napkins, and I just drew this picture. I took it to leadership. You know, I would tell people about it at dinner, at, at conferences, at whatever, and I took it to the leadership of my church, and they laughed me out the door. They were like, we've got counseling. We have biblical counselors. And there's probably a whole lot of people out there who don't know what the difference is. You know, there is an actual certification that people can get for biblical counseling. And this is just my personal take on that, that that is actually a danger. I think that there's a huge danger to that, not because the Bible is dangerous, but because when people hear counselor, they assume professionalism and biblical counselors are not trained to diagnose, to refer, to create treatment plans. They don't have any of that kind of training their solution comes directly from the Bible. And I've seen some of those trainings and it's like, somebody's dealing with this problem, what Bible story do you tell them? Not that Bible stories couldn't be helpful, but if that's all you've got in your wheelhouse, you're not a prepared counselor. That's my personal opinion. Nobody else's, nobody asked for that, but I gave it for free. Yeah. So um, they 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 laughed, kind of laughed me out the door. They were like, listen, we've got counselors. We've got people, and this is probably the worst part, we've got people in our church who have a special gifting for counseling. Yeah. And I was like, great. They have a great gifting. They should go, like, work on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> side note, people, this is audio, so I'm, I'm wincing over here a little <laughs> yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, So, right, yeah. I'm, I'm nodding my head a lot. There's no visuals, yeah. Yeah, but I'm wincing, yeah. Charles so is you. wincing in agreement with uh, In agreement, I'm with you. Please, yeah. yeah, continue, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, you know, I said, I said, okay, um... You know, they were like, you know, I think they were a little bit like, you know, Mason's young, he's in his early 20s, he's green, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I think that was part of it. Yeah. But I was also, I also was kind of saying, listen, I understand that people have a gifting, but there's a lot of danger in this because you don't have the liability coverage. If somebody walks in here and says, Pastor Joe, 
made up person. Pastor Joe counseled me, and you, you and they use that word because you use that word. Mm-hmm. Pastor Joe counseled me with this advice, mm-hmm. and it screwed up my life. And now I'm gonna sue him. They can do it, and they'll win because you don't have professional liability coverage to to protect you on that. Mm-hmm. You probably right. got something, but it's not not for that not for type that. of service. No, yeah, right. Not to mention if they come in with sexual abuse allegations, mm-hmm. you have no training on that nope. and no deniability. Yeah. So there's a lot of dangers in that. Now, listen, my local pastor, my, you know, because it's a, it's like a network of churches, and my local pastor really heard me on that, and he said, "Listen, I can't say what the other guys are going to do in the other churches, but we can put this into practice here, and hmm. we can trust local licensed therapists. If you can come up with a list of licensed therapists in town, we can trust them." And I'm going to take the word counseling out of my mouth. And that's my encouragement to most pastors is take the word counseling out of your mouth because it's not what you're offering. You're, you're a minister. You should minister to people. Right. Pastor your, them or minister yeah. them. Yeah. That's a, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and I always say, and I try to say that not cynically, but, but optimistically and encouragingly because I'm not a pastor. I don't want to be. A, my daddy was a pastor. Mm-hmm. He did ministry. And what that looks like is when the lady's husband, he was a country pastor in Calvin. A lot of people probably don't know where Calvin is. I don't know where it, it is. is a where is it? Cow town in Southeast Oklahoma. Southeast, okay. Yeah. Okay. So he was a country pastor. Eventually he got like into other bigger churches. But I mean, the first time he really had to be a minister was when the lady's husband fell through his the rafters of his barn to his death, and he just spent the whole evening with her at her house because she was hysterical. That's ministry. He was just there. He was just there with her, with other ministers in the church. That's ministry. Just being there, being the presence of the Holy Spirit. Be a minister, okay? That's a beautiful thing. You should have a lot of pride in that. I don't understand the need to also be a counselor, an all-things counselor, counselor for your depression, counselor for your anxiety, counselor for your marriage. That's probably the most dangerous one. And so um, I I heard this and I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this in my back pocket and I'm just going to wait. You know, I have my local pastor who's trusting me on this and I'm just going to wait. Things kind of blew up with that church. Um, long story short, my wife and I find out one day um, I walked, you know, cause I was part of the leadership team there as a, a, in the worship team. And I walked into the basement for a Monday night meeting and the, um, founding pastor of the church is there. Super unusual. Cause we're in Shawnee. We're like the buck tooth cousin of the churches. Right. And I was, and I didn't see my pastor anywhere. And I was like, screw this. <laughs> what's going on. Something was off. And he proceeded to let us know that he was stepping down was the language he used. He's resigning. He's stepping down. Our pastor was stepping down and resigning. This is what he was telling us. And then he called a whole church meeting on a Saturday. We got everybody there on a Saturday to hear this information. And the the bit that he gave us was, listen, your pastor's family would like some space right now. So just pray for them. They will be welcome into this community, but he's going inactive as an elder. He's, you know, this is what's happening, but please give them some space. 
we tried to stay a part of that church for about a year, and there's a whole story there. That's a whole other podcast probably. And this is a part of like what kind of made me really interested in helping people with a lot of spiritual trauma, um, which is a whole other ballgame. But uh, That's important though because a lot yeah. of my listeners – can probably I'm a practicing Christian myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, just by the way, for those who don't know me, I'm non-clinical. I'm yeah, not yeah. a licensed therapist. Yeah, yeah. I'm a coach, and right, that's right. a that's a support role. Which is needed. Yeah, it yeah. is needed, but but it's not therapy, and right, I don't right. and I don't provide therapy. I don't sure, treat sure. trauma or diagnose right, or right. treat any of those things. Right. But I refer all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I know how to do that, and mm-hmm. so. Um, and I'm part of a church that refers. Yeah, yeah. Their lead ministry, they refer it's out getting for therapy better. all the time. It's getting better out there. So I forgot where I was going, but yeah. I want to let people know that, just just who are listening and may not yeah. know. But, oh, oh, on the uh, the spiritual trauma piece. Yeah, yeah. So don't lose your line of thought, but I, I am curious about that. A lot of my listeners may have experienced that yeah. or they're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, so anything that, that seems relevant that you'd like to share. Gosh, and it's because so, it's so important because, I mean, my wife and I yeah. stayed a part of that church for about a year I and see. really tried to stick around. Yeah. And, and part of what had happened is that this guy had come in, kind of overlapped with our pastor, and he was a really instrumental part of him resigning um, so it got really gross, and and so for about a year, that guy really tried to step in and become my pastor. Listen, and this was a pastor that, I mean, he was my pastor for seven or eight years. He married us. He was there at midnight when my first child was born. I mean, he was my pastor, man, and and good. He was a good guy. And so when they let him go, the phrases that they used were, listen, he wants space, they want space right now. He's not resigning out of any moral failure. There is that they kept saying that there is no moral failure here, which is almost more weird, because if he had gone yeah. and picked up like a hooker, then the church, whole church would line up with casseroles and serve his family. But because it was like there's no moral failure, it's like, well, then what do we even do? Yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, yeah it's unknown. And so mm-hmm. we tried to stay a part of that church for about a year. And the new pastor stepped in and started working with me and really trying to mentor me, and it became pretty abusive. Um, And about the day that he told me that I needed to ask one of my worship leaders to not participate on the team anymore because he was obese, I was like, I'm out. I'm not going to tell a guy he can't be on the plot. He said... I don't know what he has to offer in terms of leadership because, I mean, he doesn't even have control over his own weight. Well, that's and I was that's like, quite a statement. I was like, this is over. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, remarkably painful and tragic and I can't destructive. do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so this is this was a guy who spent about a year trying to like pray over me and speak um, truth into my life and use scripture and he said all kinds of things to me and he. It really bent my reality around just a little bit. And so that's really what spiritual abuse is. Is I mean, right. when you think about spiritual trauma, I mean, when you think about trauma in general, I mean, how easily triggered that is if somebody goes through any kind of trauma. Say you're in a car accident. I mean, I was in a, I was in a car accident when I was 15 years old, got rear-ended really hard. And anybody who's ever been rear-ended knows that if you ever slam on your brakes beyond that point, you have a really powerful flinch move to look into the rearview mirror because... You've been rear-ended before because of that. Mm-hmm. It's it's installed. It's a trigger. It's installed in your body. Right. So when you think about spiritual trauma, I mean, this is like a person has affected the most 
valuable, deepest part of you. Yeah, I've been there. I've experienced yeah, it. It's, yeah. it's scary. I mean, yes, it is. So that, it's everywhere, basically. Yeah, because That's it's like... I view it. It's everywhere. Yeah, because if somebody... Now it's like if somebody lays hands to prey on you, okay, well, that now is a trigger. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, it's a very beautiful thing when somebody lays their hand and prays on you. Right. And, or not praise on you. Well, well uh, yeah. Freud. Uh, <laughs> praise for you. P-R-A-Y. P-R-A-Y for you. How how tragic for that to become a trauma trigger, right? Yes, absolutely. So we tried for a year to stick around, and yeah. you know there was just there were just en- there was enough going on. And one of the things that actually been a reality around a lot was we had come to believe that everything that we choose to do in our lives, we need to filter through the the permission or blessing of the elder council. They got like really involved with people's lives and recommending what they should and shouldn't do. And we had at one time tried to move and and we're told like that's not a good idea. We think that you're running away. So we didn't move. Um, but at the end of this year that we had really tried our best, there was a moment of clarity. You know, that's a really important phrase to me. I had this mo- we had this moment of clarity together. Me and my wife we were sitting on our couch in Shawnee. And I said, do we have to stay here? And she said, I wonder what would happen if we put our house on the market. And my sister's a real estate agent, so we just picked up the phone in that moment, and I called my sister and I said, what do you think happens if we put our house on the market? She said, you have a really cute house. It'll sell like next week, so we probably need to get you pre-approved for a loan so you can buy a house just in case you sell it. So we did that, took like, Listen, this is how this happened. On Monday, we submitted for pre-approval. Tuesday, we were pre-approved for a loan. Wednesday, we had pictures taken of our house. We then on that weekend, oh, and then our house was listed on Thursday. So Friday and Saturday, we went house hunting. Saturday night, we got an offer on our house. Sunday afternoon, we found our new house in Edmond. That's crazy. And put an offer in on it. That's amazing. Boom, 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 boom. Just yeah. like that. Yeah. Now that would never happen in this market right now. Not right now. That's what people are saying that are listening. Right. But it but it has. But at and that time in twenty eighteen. Yeah. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, we found our house in Edmond. Um, Courtney got a job teaching in Edmond. And I was already working in Oklahoma City as a therapist. Mm-hmm. So we just went ahead and did it. It was this thing where it was like, we don't need to ask anybody what we are supposed to do with our lives. You know, we, we can imagine what we want our lives to be like, ask God for great things and submit it to his will. And if it's not a part of his will, he's not going to deliver it over to us, mm-hmm. you know, because we've had enough of our own will in our lives. So we just trusted and it worked out for us. Yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah we moved so, out on faith. You know, yeah, so clarity. we ended up moving to Edmond. And, yeah. Um, you know, I moved around. We, we had a lot of things go on um, there. We hunted around for churches and finally found um, a church in Edmond, Henderson Hills, um, it, which is crazy because it's a Baptist church, and we were like, oh, my gosh, we're going to go to a Baptist church that's been around for 65 years? That's crazy. It's a huge church. Um, and so what happened was I was working, um, I was working at an agency on the South side and we pulled into the 
parking lot to visit this church and there's two entrances and we came in this one entrance and I looked to my left and there's this small building and it says Ministries of Jesus. And I was like, I wonder what that is. Why do they have that building there? And I went inside and there was a kiosk that said Ministries of Jesus, Medical, Dental, Vision, Counseling, Recovery, Social Services. And I was like, wow, what is that? Yeah. And I start, I mean, it's our first day at this church. I'm asking around. I'm like, what is Ministries of Jesus? Somebody tell me what Ministries of Jesus is. And they're like, oh, that's our clinic. We have a clinic. And I was like, I, what kind of, I, I, and then I was like, okay, well, so what kind of counseling do they give? This is the, the, this is the number one question. What kind of counseling do oh, they yeah, offer? Oh, yeah, it's been on your mind. This sounds familiar. This is very, I'm, you know, <laughs> my triggers are all going off. Oh, yeah. What kind of counseling do they offer? And they said, well, sure. you need to talk to this guy. He's, a, he's an elder in the church. His name is Kim Swyden, and um, he's the executive director there. You need to go find him. So I'm like hunting around for him. Finally find him, and I set up coffee with him on a Sunday morning, and we sit down together, and I said, please tell me what kind of counseling goes on in there. And he said, well, we only have licensed counselors in there because we don't want anybody else doing that kind of stuff. And I was like, and, and he said, and, and the whole place is a complete nonprofit. Wow. And I was like, I'm stunned. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I know of this, but yeah, in yeah, context yeah. of your story, I did not. Yeah. So, and I, I was like, yeah. this is what I've. And I just told, and I told him the whole story that I just told right, you. Right, right. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like I've dreamed of this." Yeah, you know. Um, and, I, and I said, "Do you do you just let them? You just let them see? You just let them counsel? You just let them do counseling?" He said, "Yeah, they're all Christians. They love Jesus, but they also are super skilled counselors, and they want to sit down with people and like help them through life's problems." And I'm like, "Okay, well, what if they're a non-believer? What if they're what if they've got weird things going on in their life?" Great. They they just need a counselor. That's, I mean, and here's the thing: it's a it's a separate nonprofit, so it's not governed by the church. Right. I was like, oh my gosh, and it's in the same parking lot. And he said, yeah. So if there's anybody in the church who needs any counseling, we can just walk them right over. Yeah, they built the hallway. I was like, no kidding. So yeah, yeah they built the hallway. You have the hallway. <laughs> yeah. It's been there since 2001. Huh. Not that building. So they started in 2001 in like a in like a storefront. Um, and they just did medical, and in 2005 they added the counseling component. Oh, okay, no, I don't know much about the history, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And so very cool. Yeah, um, it is. And so here we are, mm -hmm. you know, however many years later, past 2005. Fast math on that. Um, uh, 17 or so years. I will trust yes, you. That's close. And so I'm sitting there. I was like, I want to work for you, and he was like, I want you to work for me. I have no jobs <laughs> for you. <laughs> so he said, but. I um I do know some people over at Integris and they're opening a rehab over there. Um, why don't I get you in touch? And so I got a job over at Arcadia Trails, which you know. That's where we met. I yeah. was a recovery tech at that time. Yeah, so, in a support role. Yeah, so I became a therapist at Arcadia Trails. Spent about two years there, and um, then I I was also running a private practice on the side of that. And um, had made a contract with Ministries of Jesus because they had. He called me one day um, and said, "Listen, we've got a lot of overflow on counseling. Would you contract with us, and we can send you maybe eight clients at a time?" And I said, "Great, I'll do that." And so I started seeing some of their con uh, clients on a private contract. And um, then one day I was sitting in his office. He was telling me about uh, they were about to remodel, and he said, "Listen, we." 
our, his wife was the director of counseling at the time. And he said, listen, we're about ready to, she's got a lot of things going on in her life. She has some um, family members that, she had a family member pass away and her mother's really aging. She's trying to step back. We need a new director. Are you ready? And I was like, what a question. <laughs> What'd you say? Yeah. Sorry. I said, yeah. I said, of course yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, get me over here. And um, he said, okay. Well, I, and I was waiting to have my third child at that time, okay. Sarah. Okay. Um, so I was, uh, he was like, I know that you're about to have a baby in like a month. So let's wait until after the baby. And I was like, dude, tell me now. Let's make this, let's go. You were ready. Yeah. <laughs> You've been ready for this for a while. I was like, man, I wrote my capstone the week my son was born. Let's do this. You and know how to do that. Come on. And he was like, no, 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 no. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's do this right. And he's really wise and very patient. And he was right. Uh -huh. And so, yeah. Um, so a month later, we had our daughter. And I, in the delivery room, uh, cinema email and said, okay, she's here. <laughs> send him a that, picture man. of, send him a picture of the baby said, okay, she's here. Here's proof. Send me that offer. <laughs> and he wrote me up a, 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 an offer contract and I accepted it. And a month later I was, dude, uh, I love that story. She's a Jesus. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, remind me, what year was this? So this is this, um, a year ago. So, right, so I, knew, I knew it was recent. Yeah. So I've been there a year last October. August, so a year and three months or so. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm a new counseling director there. Wow. And um, mm -hmm. we've got five count, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five full time. Not full time. We got a couple that are part time. We have two. I'm full time, and we have another full time counselor, um, and they're all really, really sharp. And we have one intern writing another intern too. So I have dreams of it being like a really good training institute. Mm -hmm. Plus, I get to do as much private practice as I want. Wow. Best of all worlds. Yeah. That's an incredible story. And, um, and so, it's all God. I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I was going to ask all, you, what does it mean to you? And now what's the context? In I could have never faith? done any of that. Yeah. I could have never done any of that. I, listen, I have made some terrible choices in my life. Same here, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I have made some terrible choices. I've, had put, I've put terrible things in my body. I, I have had enough of my own will in my life. It has gotten me nowhere that I want to be. Right, and so just by allowing God to shape my values, that and that's really what I want for people. So when I sit down with people one on one, yeah, you know, you you're a coach. You know, I oftentimes I feel like I do a lot of coachy type stuff. I'm sure. a very directive therapist. I tell people like it is, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm all about purpose and helping people mm -hmm. understand. Like, listen, what do you think your values are? There you go. Love and, that question. Yeah, and. Usually they tell me something very hobby lobby, like live, laugh, live, you know, faith, yeah. family, friends, anything that could be a decal on Right. Or it could hang on your wall. Our no, parents' no wall. No offense yeah. again, at least for me. For yeah, me. I'm yeah, thinking about like your wall, that's fine. Do my, do more of what makes you happy. I'm looking at my pillow on my chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? No pillows are fine, I think. But I'm thinking about like my Aunt Judy's house. Love you, Aunt Judy. Hey, Aunt Judy, love I you. love you too. I don't know you. and uh, But she 100% has Live, Laugh, Love somewhere <laughs> in her house. And she got it at Hobby Lobby. That is so, awesome. So usually it's Hobby Lobby values, and I'm like, okay, let's really find out what your values right, are. Right, that's the first answer. Yeah. It's the surface level. It's, yeah. it's at the front of the brain. It's 100%. easy, safe. 100%. What do you really think, right? You and go so, deeper. Yeah, so then, my, then I ask him, what do you want? There. Yeah, I'm a genie. 
And so this is so magic question. Yeah. So I'm gonna do the magic question. This is this is probably what a therapy session with me sounds like. Okay, I'm ready. Or like a leadership development session, probably, which is something I offer on my website. Awesome. Um, so I have a lot of guys that come to me for leadership development. I'm starting a business and I really don't know what I'm doing. I know I just want to make money. That's all. And so I start there. I say, okay, well, what do you want? Whatever it is, I'm gonna wash windows. I'm a roofer. Um, I want to be a life coach, whatever it is. What do you want? I'm a genie. Just in your life, if you could shoot for the moon, be like a kid and climb up on Santa's lap and ask for what you want, you know? And what I'm really looking for is like superficial. I want you to be superficial with this answer. Don't be altruistic. Don't be like, I want to be a godly husband. Unless that's it. That's great. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, If that's what you want, I want you to want that. But don't say that just because you think that's what you're supposed to say. Don't be altruistic because people expect that of you. And, and say, well, I want to be a godly husband or I want to be um, a faithful dad, you know, whatever it is. If you're like, I want a new truck, say it. I want the truck that they drive on Yellowstone, like the big one, with the, like the four-door um, max diesel lifted, pulls like two trailers kind of patent leather seats. That's what I want. Yeah. Great. Three questions. What do you believe that will feel like when you have it? What do you, what does it mean to you? What do you believe it'll mean to you? And what do you believe it will say about you? Those three questions, if you answer those, those are your values. Feel, mean, and say. Yeah. Yeah. Those are your values. You answer those three questions to whatever you want in any moment in your life, those are your values, whether you like it or not. It's what you believe. Because values are belief systems, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do I believe to be right, good, and true about myself in the world? Yeah, because, I mean, we, it's false, usually. It's false. You get that truck, in that moment, in that day, you might feel what you think you're probably going to feel like, and then it's going to be like Christmas morning. It's going to go away. Yeah, you got a month or two or three, maybe. Of ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah. And this is true, like, any of of the... Um, people in recovery that I work with. Mm-hmm. This is the same. I mean, you know this. It's oh, like yeah. we talk about, listen, what do you believe it will feel like to have another drink? The first time you had a drink? It'll feel like that. That's what keeps us doing it. Yeah. It's never going to feel that way. You no. believe it will. Right. And then when you do it, you discover, oh, it doesn't feel that way. No, it's terrible. It, and it's and it's always terrible. For you know, personal story there, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm a recovering uh, addict, yeah, alcoholic yeah, yeah, yeah. person in alcohol use disorder recovery. Alcohol use disorder, yeah, disease <laughs> model. It's all good. Listen, and but it's anything. If you're a f- right. if if you've it's got human. a food problem, if you've got a sex problem, if you've got a porn yeah. problem, yeah. you know, and especially my guys who are like really hooked up on on pornography. It's big. And it has been for a long time. It's big again. Big, right yeah. Now. And they're like big uptick. I don't know why I get away from it, and I can't get away from it. And I say it's because every time you go to look at it, you you believe it's going to feel just like the first time you saw it, mm-hmm. right. and it never is. Right. You're you're you just want what you believe it'll feel like. Now, what is that? Exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so you value excitement. Mm-hmm. How can you enact your value of excitement without betraying yourself? There it is. Great That's question. your value. Yeah. 
that's your value. Mm -hmm. So how do you collect your values and place them inside of a meaningful mission statement through which every moment in your life, that's what you filter your decisions through. Yeah. And so it gets you out of this past mindset of, of just biased thinking where you're repeating the same thing over and over and over and it starts getting you thinking about the future. If that thing out there is what I want, maybe I can let that go mm-hmm. and instead enact my values now and my values will act as the vehicle on which I can ride towards my purpose. That's it, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, this is what you do. It is th- through different tools and tech, yeah, yeah. but absolutely, it's you know, speaking my language. Love mm-hmm. it. Love yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, equifinality. You know, many ways, same ending. Right, right. That's the hope. Skillful means, they call it sometimes. Skillful means, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, this is what I want to spend all my time doing with people. And I do it with people in their marriages too. You Mm -hmm. know, what are your values? What are each of your values? And how can you swap values? Because in our marriages, you know, it's like... You have to. If I'm married to you, your values are my values. That's right. They have to be. That's right. If y'all haven't learned it yet... Talk to Mason. We're going to put his contact information. That's right. Yeah, come but see me, me. Me and Christy, yeah, we've been practicing that for a yeah. while, and you learned that by experience. You're like, oh, that's the way you see the world. Yeah. That's what you believe to be right, good, and true about yeah. yourself and the world you live in. Yeah. Okay, I need to adopt that one so we can be in harmony. If I so, want to be married to you. That's right. It's just if I want to be close to you. Mm-hmm. We can stay married, but we may not be close. Yeah. And that intimacy, it matters to me. Yeah. It matters to me. That's what creates the intimacy. Yeah, it is. Is when you look across from you and you see a person who has swallowed your values yeah. and put them deep in their gut, mm-hmm. that creates intimacy. Yeah. Because you're looking in the eyes of somebody who you are you're now inside of them in yeah. some way. Yeah. And they get it. You. Yeah. They get you. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who likes to be gotten. Like, yeah, you get hundred percent. Right, that's my personality. Type. Gotten, valued. Yeah, um, understood is really the word that I use. Yeah, do you understand me? Yeah, right? I'm kind of complex. So, so when I can be understood by my wife, that means just listening. Do you have to understand what I'm saying? Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. Listening, absolutely. She's a gifted listener. So if you're listening, Christy, you already know this. Yeah, but you are a gifted listener, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they always are. Yeah. So, okay, they are, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's use, uh, we've got a few more minutes. Yeah, right? yeah. Maybe five or 10 more minutes. Sure, sure. And I want to make sure you can share everything about what yeah. you do and Absolutely. your contact information, but a little bit more about who else you serve, how you work with them. Let's try to hit as much as we can so folks really get to know all 100%. about. 100%. Yeah. So um, I deal a lot with marriage. You know, so that's probably my primary focus is couples who are trying to get their intimacy going um, and can get back together. And so the question I always ask people in their first session if they're a married couple is, do you are you wanting to stay married? Do you want to be married? If you can't wholeheartedly answer that yes, then I can't help you. You're going to need to want to stay married more than I want you to stay married. And so I can stand in that gap for a little bit but eventually you're going to have to be the one that wants to stay married. If you don't have that in you, figure that out and then come see me. Um, so if you want to stay married and you're trying to figure that out, I'm your guy. Um, we can, we're going to do all kinds of exploration, but it's a lot of finding the purpose of your marriage, you know? And, um, I also do leadership development training. So I did this recently, I actually did this for my wife's school, um, just before the school year started and helping them discover what their values are and establishing a personal mission statement for each person, but also an organizational mission statement, um, which they already have, but understanding how you stay in your mission and not drift from it um, so you don't end up in a disaster where you're not actually following your mission, 
right? So my mission, I mean, if you were to hop onto my website, my website is being rebuilt right now. So eventually you'll be able to go to masonphillipslmft.com and see all of this. But my mission is to help uh, diverse people and diverse, diverse relationships live wholeheartedly. So that's my mission statement. You know, and so your full integration coaching, you know, purpose driven stuff. So, I mean, it's right. very similar. You it know, is. so I want to help people with their leadership skills, help people with their businesses, but um, really helping people with their marriages um, and also uh, a lot of people with their spiritual trauma. Sometimes it's people in marriages with spiritual trauma. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just the individuals with spiritual trauma, a lot of burnt out pastors. Do you serve burnout pastors? Yeah, a lot of burnout pastors. Okay, pastor friends, you've got a resource. I know you have some other ones. Call Mason. Yeah, get to know him. Yeah, and so I have a lot of burnout pastors. They come on their own, or they bring their wives because their Mm -hmm. marriage is usually reflecting it too. Yes, absolutely. Our our relationships usually reflect the stress that's in our life. Yes. Um. So that's for free, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. But. That's who I serve mostly. That's who I want to serve. Um, I've done a lot of addiction recovery um, service. I don't. I don't do nearly as much of that as I used to because I've focused so much on the relationships. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, but I also have done a lot of marriage and recovery work. So um, people who are trying to deal with whatever hang up they've got, you know, whether it is chemical or if if there's any other behavioral. Um, repetition that you're experiencing that's out of control um, and it's affecting your marriage. I have worked with that a lot. So. Excellent, excellent. So needed, and I know you know this, but um, to our listeners, if you don't know, this is such a needed service yeah. in our community. And um, Mason, to learn more about you and all that you have to offer, we're going to get more contact information from you, even if it's not live at yeah. the time of our podcast, because this will live on uh, the the podcast platforms for a while. So yeah. let's let's pause just for a minute and let us know any com- uh, contact information you're comfortable sharing that right. you want folks to be able to hit you up on. Hundred percent. You can of course before long my website will be up. So hopefully by the time of this podcast, um, or at least a few days from it, you'll be able to um, hop onto my website. Um, but what is available um, right now is my uh, Instagram account. That's probably the best way to see what I'm like, what I sound like, um, and what I offer. It's mason.lmft.hypnosis. Um, oh my gosh, did I get that backwards? I am dyslexic. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I actually am dyslexic. Sure, That's a crazy yeah, please, you can me. look at it. That, that um, can be helpful might, to look at it. It might be it. the other way. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll it's LMFT. Yeah, mason.lmft.hypnosis. So... Awesome. Um, you can shout at me. I also do the hypnosis stuff, so that's a whole other thing. But okay, um, we'll just know that that's another offering that Mason has, yeah. and you, we'll give you links to in the show notes. Again, if you're listening in and you didn't catch all that, you can rewind it and listen yeah. again, or just click on the show notes, and yeah. that, that's the the words that go along with the episode that are, are with this episode, and uh, you'll have a link to Mason's uh, Instagram account. Mm-hmm to his website. Yeah. And the and website will be in my bio on Instagram. So that is awesome. So it'll also be on Instagram. So Instagram is a one-stop shop, so to speak. 100%. Yeah. And there's videos on there or yeah. reels as they call them now. Yeah. On my reels. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm trying to catch on. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then the, the website itself, the URL is Mason Phillips. LMFT. 
lmft.com. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. LMFT. Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. That's I always it. have to think about those words. Dot com. Yeah. Okay. And I always like to give uh, folks an opportunity that are my guest on the show to consider some closing words. Yeah. If, you know, didn't come to mind or from your heart, a general word as we close together. Maybe a message of hope. I don't yeah. use that word, but whatever comes to mind. Yeah. I would say that, and I think this is really important. It is okay to imagine the world in which you want to live, your world. And none of that is limited by how smart you are or how intellectual you are. Your wholeheartedness is really only limited by how much you can imagine. And your imagination is really only limited by your opinions of yourself, of others, of the world around you. Release all of that and you can imagine all kinds of stuff. Submit it to God and give it to his will. He's not going to give you anything you're not supposed to have and surrender your own will. Amen. And I'll put and I'll say that because as a practicing Christian, I've done that. And I try to do that on a daily basis. And and Tough. my life is, re- it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. It's the age old dilemma. Oh yeah. 100%. You know, but I just want to just acknowledge that and that that is uh, sage advice and, and it comes from hard living and it yeah, comes from it lived experience 100%. also. Yeah. So Mason Phillips, I just want to say once again, thanks for being my guest on the show today. Thank you. I'm so glad I got to come. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.